Welcome to episode 10 of Mosin at Large. We'll be talking about audio issues today on Windows and iOS devices. iOS 13.2 has some real issues for hearing aid users. We look at Apple TV+, Plus, particularly the C show and what you think in daylight saving time. Mosin at Large Podcast. Jonathan at MushroomFM.com is my email address. You can also call 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. I hope you've had a good week. It's been a busy week in technology land, hasn't it? iOS 13.2 is out. And I hate to say I told you so. I told you. I do hate to say it. Because sometimes you wish you were not right about something. But you remember way back in iOS 8 and 9 and that kind of thing, we all had all sorts of concerns about the quality of Apple's stuff. And at some point, was it after iOS 9 maybe? It all gets a bit of a blur when you get to my age, you know. But uh, at some point, they introduced public beta testing for iOS. And this was good because before that, If you wanted to beta test Apple stuff, the only way that you could do it was to become part of the Apple developer program, even if you weren't a developer. So Apple would uh, sting you for over $100 a year just so you could test their software. And of course, if you were a developer, it was a lot more than that. It gave you access to putting apps in the store and all sorts of premium developer support and things that you really needed. But it was a high price to pay if all you wanted to do was test Apple's buggy code and give them feedback. And so they introduced a public developer program. And I remember putting it, it'll be it'll be in the recesses, in the archives of the Mosin Consulting blog. I remember putting out a post saying, it's all very well, Apple introducing this public beta program, but it's not really collecting the data that's been the problem. It's actually doing something with the data in a timely manner because blind people did report some of the serious voiceover accessibility issues that were going on before when we did have to pay. It's just that they weren't being fixed. So being swamped with more data, some of it more relevant than others, is not necessarily going to fix anything. And of course, people popped out of the woodwork and said, ah, you're just an Apple hater and you're whinging on and be grateful for what we have and all this sort of absolute nonsense that people talk as if somehow we are less entitled to quality products than anybody else. When Apple went into this business, they became a screen reader company and they should be held to the same standard as any other screen reader company. And I stayed off the beta program for pretty much all of the iOS 13 cycle, because these days in my job, my phone's too important, and I'm not doing this kind of testing, writing up about Apple things for a living anymore. So I stayed off it for the most part until towards the very end. I think when the release candidate came out, I grabbed it knowing that, well, there's not much point in waiting for the official release because the release candidate is, is normally the official release. And then I figured, well, now that I'm on the cycle and I've got the profile installed, I may as well just stick with it because one would think that every release after the the big one, the big major 0.0 release, will be an improvement over the last. You expect that if you're an early adopter, even of the official release, you'll get bugs. But you also, I think, expect quite reasonably so that when the pace is slowed down, eventually things will get better than they have. You know, just like the Beatles said, it's getting better all the time. Not the case for me for iOS 13. 
There are some issues of general sort of frustration uh, that have been fixed, and that's great. I guess the most critical of which has been this really weird business where some people, including myself, have just lost all speech, and it was very difficult to get it back after you made a call. That was one heck of a showstopper, and uh, it, it took a surprising amount of time to be fixed. It appears to be fixed now from what I can gather. That's good. There's another one to do with repeating notifications. And I got pinged by this badly. It's really an awful thing. And it's sporadic. It doesn't seem to matter what the app is. It just happens sometimes and it doesn't happen at other times. And I'll give you an example of where this is a really terrible thing. Last week after the Mosin Explosion aired... And for those of you listening on the podcast, the Mosin Explosion is the full four-hour version of what you get on the podcast. And it's the best way to consume the show because you can engage live and enjoy the music. And you know, that's all on Mushroom FM, of course. Anyway, just after the show ended, I treated myself to a massage, which I do every so often. And it's great because I've been using this massage therapist for a few years. And, and she comes over with her little table and stuff and just sets up in the living room and then goes again. It's, it's really convenient. So she came up uh, after the show and, and we did the massage. And probably about um, 10 minutes into the massage, I blame you. Susan Constantini of New Jersey. <laughs> Susan liked a tweet of mine. And it was a really innocuous thing I said in this tweet. I think it was an acknowledgement of her tweet, you know. And she liked it. And because I have made for iPhone hearing aids, my phone was all the way downstairs in the studio. And I was on the massage table. And I got the thing that said that Susan had liked the tweet. And I remember very vaguely thinking, oh, yeah, okay. I should have put the phone on Do Not Disturb. I have to get used to the fact that I have these Bluetooth hearing aids and that they actually do go quite a long way from the phone. But then what happened is, even though my phone was locked, every minute, every single minute thereafter, so it would say, it would wake up and say, Twitter, one minute ago, Susan Constantini liked, and I'd go, and then it would say, Twitter, two minutes ago, Susan Constantini like You get the idea. And the massage therapist said, it sounds like your phone's talking to you all the time. And I said, it is. What I should have done was just grabbed the ball by the virtual horns, as it were, and said, look, I'm going to just jump off the massage table and run downstairs put the phone on, do not disturb, and run back up, because otherwise it's going to upset my equilibrium. But did I do that? No, I did not. Twitter, five minutes ago, Susan Constantini liked. Yeah. And then eventually when you get to one hour, because this was a 90-minute massage, it then stops until you get to two hours. But the interesting thing is when you're getting a notification Sometimes it does repeat like this, and the only way to get rid of it is to actually dismiss the notification. It's a very strange bug. It's, it's a pretty annoying bug. Now, the one that really hit me hard, though, in iOS 13.2, is for those of us who are in the minority of using made-for-iPhone hearing aids and voiceover. This is a pretty small group. Voiceover users are a very small subset of Apple's user base as it is. And then, of course, people who use made-for-iPhone hearing aids alongside voiceover, tiny, tiny minority. 
And the penultimate beta before the final release, I could not believe it. I turned the phone on after the update thinking, let's see what improvements we're getting now. And to my absolute astonishment, what I got instead was the voiceover sounds coming through the iPhone speaker, not the MFI hearing aid. So voiceover was coming through the aids, but its sounds was not. I really do like, just to be clear, so I'm not going to be accused of needlessly bashing. I love the customization in iOS 13 relating to sounds. I don't want to hear the little sort of flick sounds when I flick right and left, but I do find it quite helpful to hear when a window pops up or when I'm at a, at the boundary of the screen and various other things like that. And the ability to customize exactly what sounds you hear. I don't really like the little tick noise that it makes when you turn pages in Apple Books or Kindle either, so I've turned those off. But that degree of customization, that granularity is absolutely awesome. So I do have some of those sounds turned off now. But the implications of the sounds coming over the iPhone speaker when you're using made-for-iPhone hearing aids is pretty, are pretty significant. You, you have to turn sounds off in a meeting, for example. My iPhone is my sort of traditional note-taker. All the documents I read, everything from senior management meeting agenda items to board papers to the constitution of the organization, which I should refer to, all that kind of stuff, they're on my phone uh, in various apps, usually voice stream for reading and various other things for writing. It'll be Ulysses when or if they eventually get their act together. So to have these sounds going plonk, bloop, bleep, bink, um, in meetings is not acceptable. They were a useful orientation for me when I could get them through the A's, but you can't have them going on. And, and I mean, at night time when you're trying to be considerate to your significant other and you're lying there and the phone over its speaker is making all these voiceover sounds. It's just ridiculous. So I actually delayed my trip into work when I got the beta. Because of the time I get up in the morning, when I'm expecting a beta, I look first thing and I grab the beta as soon as it's available. So I delayed my trip into work knowing that this was going to be a big one. And I wrote a very detailed bug report and filed it. Um, steps to reproduce, expected behavior, the usual things that people want to see when you file a bug report if you're a developer. You know, do this and you'll get this. And what you should get is this instead. So I did all of that and I filed it within, you know, within the hour of the beta going live. So fingers crossed, the next week, the uh, second to that, well, the last beta version of 13.2 came out and it still hadn't been fixed. So I added to my bug report and said, just to let you know, this is still not fixed. And then the 13.2 actual release came out and it's still not fixed. So it's a very tough time for those of us who do rely on the voiceover sounds for orientation and contextual things, that kind of thing. Uh, these things coming over the speaker instead of the hearing aids, and this has not happened before. I know that there have been some other problems for different hearing aids uh, as well that I have not experienced, I'm fortunate to say. Some people with uh, cochlear implants and other manufacturers' hearing aids have reported all sorts of weird holding on to the connection issues and things that I have not experienced. And I, I find this frustrating really, because back when Apple 
told us that they were bravely, bravely getting rid of the headphone jack. And I made the point that a number of us have worked around and got some pretty cool solutions to do with direct audio input cables. Zero latency, very efficient on the battery, and now you've got all these lightning dongles you have to carry around and they break if you use them all the time like hearing aid users in that position were and everything and lots of people said shut up and move with the times and anything Apple does is progress, don't you know? So Apple has really caused many of us to be dragged into the made-for-iPhone hearing aid space. And these aids are not cheap. You know, if you have a hearing impairment that's as significant as mine is and uh, as significant as as it is for many people, they're very expensive devices. You might be talking six or seven thousand US dollars per aid. And in New Zealand, we are now in the position where you only get funding for these aids maybe once every six years. So it's a big decision. And so you're particularly vulnerable when you can't see as well. I don't mean to start a pity party, but it's absolutely true. If you are using these hearing aids and they are the way, your gateway to using your phone and your phone is a primary business device, uh, then I think, yeah, this is where I just find it ridiculous that people somehow think that Apple needs a, should get a free pass because uh, they didn't start as an accessibility company. They are an accessibility company now and people depend on their products and they've paid in good faith. So for this to actually be released in 13.2 with this bug affecting made for iPhone hearing aids and voiceover is is absolutely unacceptable in my opinion. It's so unacceptable that I'm even considering seeing whether there's consumer law in New Zealand that I might use to make a point. It's just not acceptable that Apple should treat some of its most vulnerable users in this way who've had to invest a considerable amount of money to even be able to use these devices in the first place. I know that I am not the only one that reported this bug the moment that it happened, so I don't know whether we're talking dozens, but I can I can tell you with absolute certainty, several people filed a bug on this within a day of it coming out, and it was still not fixed. Now, I'm sorry, but that's a conscious choice that Apple has made, and it is a moral failure on Apple's part to have made that choice not to fix the bug. Sarah Hillis says... I've had the repeating notifications thing too when the phone is unlocked and the screen is idle. The banner just stays and I have to dismiss it to stop the repeating. It hasn't happened in the lock screen for me. Yeah, that's exactly the one that I've seen as well, the repeating notifications. Andy says, so since your iPhone is your primary note-taking app, what do you like to use for doing that? Well, I have been known to use the Microsoft Word app. I'm not a huge fan of it because each page is its own little kind of edit field, which I'm not a big fan of. I really do like Ulysses an awful lot. If they could just fix the sluggishness that occurs when you start doing some major editing and copying and pasting. Ulysses is is a wonderful app, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Marco recommended it to me. Michael Fair did before him, actually, as well. 
And I'm just hoping they will fix the bug. They tell me they've been able to reproduce the bug. So um, let, let's hope so. Shane says, the holding on to the connection bug has been here all through this entire beta cycle. It is horrible. This has been reported by many people and ignored repeatedly. I think this is the frustration that people are really starting to feel now. It's not that we don't appreciate that complex software has bugs. It's the priority or lack thereof that these things seem to be accorded, especially when people are particularly vulnerable with this dual sensory loss. Hey, Jonathan, it's Tanya Harrison here. Oh, my word. I had a huge issue with Braille when I went to iOS 13.0 mm-hmm. and stuck with it for a few days until 13.1 came out. And on the day of 13, 13.1, it was still really terrible. So I called Apple, um, eventually got to speak to an accessibility person, um, and he had absolutely no idea why my phone was doing what it was doing with Braille. I was having another issue also with dragging apps, and I even got someone with voiceover switched off um, who could see, obviously, um, trying to drag the apps, and they could barely do it either. Um, So we stumped Apple. They had no idea why it was happening, and said they would get back to me in 24 hours' time. Um, and me being a typically impatient person, especially when you need to braille and you can't, um, I was fiddling around with my phone that night and I thought, let's try and figure out why this is, you know, what I've done that's made this happen. Because I thought, I bet you it's something I've done. So I suddenly discovered that 3D Touch, um, because I've got an iPhone 8, 3D Touch and Haptic Touch, uh, was turned off and I turned that off a couple of years ago because it was back in the day when if you touched too vigorously when you were typing the insertion point would be moved um, yeah so it was turned off and I decided to turn it back on and see what would happen well wonder of wonders I could braille again and we could drag apps again so um, if you've got an older phone and you are having any kind of braille issues that may be Effects for you because it certainly was for me. Um, Apple never got back to me, so I'm actually very glad I discovered how to do it. I also know someone else who's got an iPhone 8 who um, has 3D and haptic touch turned off, and they can move apps. So these these phones, of course, you know, people say they've got a mind of their own, and maybe in some ways they do. Um, actually, my dog's just reminded me of another comment, and you can edit all this if you want to call. Okay. Oh, there's it um, now. Yeah. I, I, I'm amazed. I go out every day with my pet dog, and I'm amazed at how many people think they can't pat her because she's a guide dog. And I find it rather amusing because she's nothing like a guide dog. She's, she's. I mean, I'm, I'm not against guide dogs. I, I had one. Um, she's, she's very small. She doesn't wear a harness, so she's on a leash. And she's not a very behaved girl when we're traveling. So I'm amazed at how many people think that she's a guide dog and they can't pat her. And I always let them know, well, no, she's not a guide dog. She's my pet, so go ahead and pat her. 
um, or Petu, you, you people in the States would say. Um, yeah, so it's, it's rather funny how um, sighted people will often assume that if they see a blind person with a dog, it doesn't matter what sort of dog it is, they will automatically think that that said dog is a guide dog. Mm. And I do know of blind people who sort of take advantage of that a little bit, I I'm afraid to say, and let dogs into cafes where they're not normally allowed, saying, you know, there's a blind person with a dog, so people naturally assume you know what they say about assuming. But I was reading in the paper yesterday a survey of dog owners in New Zealand, and apparently this is a common frustration, not just guide dog handlers feel this frustration, that apparently pet dog owners can be just wombling free around the place and randoms come up and pet their dogs. And apparently this is one thing that really is frustrating the soup. I do apologize. Sorry, the, the frustrating the soup out of everybody is randoms coming up and petting the dog. And of course, you've got to be careful what kind of dog you pet too. Mm, some of them are mean, mean dudes. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. We're in that crazy period right now where Time is moving around all over the place, all the way back at the end of September, the last Sunday in September, New Zealand goes forward for summertime. It was extended a few years ago. And then, so that means that the show started an hour later because the time changed with respect to Eastern time. We went forward, you see, and that means that the show started at 7am instead of 6am, which is actually sort of fine by me, to be honest. And then last week, the UK went back at the end of summertime. I think the US used to do it too at the same weekend, but a few years ago, the US extended a little bit. That meant that because Mushroom FM picked a time zone, which was US Eastern time, that the time change was different between the US and the UK. So the shows have been going out an earlier. Yeah, <laughs> the time was different. So the shows have been going out an hour earlier just for a week, and then this weekend the clocks go back in the US, which means that the time change between New Zealand and the US, the time difference, will be another hour different, and so the next week I'll be able to start the show at 8 o'clock. Two hours later from when we started, just a month and a bit, a go. It's very confusing. And in a world where people are doing a lot more international commerce, I just wonder whether the whole daylight saving thing is sustainable. Am I right in saying that the European Union has abolished daylight saving? I believe this is the case. I wonder if the drinker knows. I'd be surprised, but you know. Soup drinker. Has daylight saving ended in the European Union? Sorry, I don't know that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the EU has now said we're not doing daylight saving anymore. And I think they're going to stay permanently on daylight time. I believe that's what the conclusion was. I don't know whether the UK, given that it's supposed to exit from the EU one day, you know, at some point in the future. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you've got an election to worry about now, Boris. Dude. Yeah. Oh, man, it's exciting. Never a dull moment. I don't know what the UK is doing with daylight saving, but I'm pretty sure the EU has decided they had a public referendum on it. And the majority of people said, let's not do this daylight saving thing anymore. 
And it is getting more and more difficult with e-commerce and and people transacting business across borders. The time changes. I mean, there's also an increasing body of evidence that says actually daylight saving is dangerous, that jet lag-like symptoms, for those of us with non-24, we totally relate because you can feel this way a lot of the time. But for many sighted people who do have more regular circadian rhythms, it's a big revelation that the jet lag-like symptoms mean that there is a measurable and consistent increase in car crashes and mishaps when the times change, you know, for the first week or so after the times change. So it's 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 a hassle. Not to mention farmers have never been happy with daylight saving. So what do you think? Should we get rid of it? And if we got rid of it, which way should we go in terms of what time to stay on? I'd actually be quite happy just purely from a you know time difference with others' point of view, if we stayed on New Zealand daylight time, ah, oh no, but you see, then it would require the US to stay permanently on standard time to get the effect I want, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> I like the 18-hour time difference with Eastern time. I must admit, I do like that. All very confusing, though, when the times change all over the place like this. And what we try to do to some degree is shield you from it in North America and Europe by picking a time zone. And the the purists say Mushroom FM should actually pick universal time, like like the international broadcaster that we are. And I sort of do sympathize with that uh, to some degree, but it would mean we'd have to explain all the jolly time that the the time relationship has changed with respect to universal time whenever anybody puts their clock forward. So... It is a dilemma, again, to internet-based organizations that are time-sensitive. It's a complicated business. What do you think we should do? Yeah, take a breath, Jonathan. That's what the watch is saying. Take a breath. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think we should do about the daylight saving? Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Everybody. Well, this is a potpourri. That's how I was potpourri. taught to uh, potpourri. pronounce potpourri. that. Potpourri. Eloquence says potpourri or something like that. Mm. <laughs> Well, I tried an experiment. I asked the S lady, by the way, speaking of letters, yes, I still don't understand why your A lady has the name of S drinker if you hate soup. Well, because you, you just swore on my show again, Beth. There we go. Probably because maybe that reflects exactly how I feel about soup drinker. Stop. It's a reflection of how I feel about it, perhaps, and the, the non-answers it keeps giving me. Oh, she's mm. your right lady. You can name her anything you want. I can. Oh, I'll bet that omelet was good that you had. I love omelets. Yum, yum, yum. Okay. I tried an experiment. Okay. I asked the S lady to play Honky Tonk Moon and Honky Tonk Woman. Now, I'm not into uh, Apple Music. I almost said Braille Music. I'm not into that either, but... Uh, uh, she did bleep me. Yep. It was bleep tonk. <laughs> but she would say it if I asked for definitions or who wrote songs. So I don't understand that. And honky tonk does not have a bad reputation. I mean, it's just a form of country music that they play in bars for mm, sake. I, know. I don't understand it. No, I don't either. We were discussing capitalizing Braille. Yes. There are other people who have made our lives immeasurably better. The Ford car, 
Pyrex dishes, heck, Morse code. That revolutionized communications also, and they're all capitalized. That's the reason that, that I think it should be capitalized. All these people made stunning differences. Discussion of the blind face and the guide dog topic. I've never been a believer in sensitivity training. We did it when I was in school. And, you know, if people aren't going to think about disability all through the year, I don't see much sense in doing it. I really don't. I am very aware of other disabilities, and I think about what I would do if I had them. But I don't believe that many people do that. And as far as rehab goes, I stayed as far away from rehab as I could get. I wanted to do my thing my way, and that wasn't, they wanted it done their way. Uh, where's Amy Winehouse Besides, when you need it? If I want a job or want to go to school, I want to be the one to do it. And if people were to ask, if I had a guide dog and they were to ask for the name of the dog, I would say, I'm not going to tell you because she will respond to it, or he. I would want a female. And it would be distracting. I understand. And I think the reason why a lot of people, Bonnie included, do it the way that they do it is because they don't want to come across as being impolite. I mean, sometimes you're with blind people who just sort of walk around and it feels like they really have a chip on their shoulder and they're kind of rude and aggressive to everybody. And, you know, Bonnie's much more mellow about it, about everything, you know, the way she deals with the public and things. So I think she, she finds that giving it some sort of fictitious name is, is a, is a, a gentler way of diffusing the situation. I'd be all, says Roger Stewart, for getting rid of daylight shifting time. I think the world should be on GMT or UTC all the time. Then it will be the same time everywhere. That would be another way of doing it, Roger, wouldn't it? That instead of saying... It's 6 a.m. New Zealand time. You just you just say that the yeah the regular working day for where you are is 2100 to 5 UTC. That would certainly be an interesting way of looking at it. Although I think that there will just be such a massive political rebellion to such a thing that it will never happen. I get the logic behind what you're saying, though. Folks like me on the job from 21 to 5 UTC. Dolly Parton could do a remake. Oh, wow, says Andy. Oh, wow. I love that idea with two exclamation marks using UTC all the time. But yeah, I agree. People would probably find that ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. Nuts. Here's Christopher Wright from Australia with a number of things. I get I get emails by the dozen every week asking me, how do you change the name of your Amazon Echo device to Soup Drinker? And, stop. And uh, this is one, one, one thing I ain't telling. One thing I ain't telling. I've spent most of my adult life telling people tech things. I'm not telling that one. Time crest, says Christopher is a text game of iOS that combines a um, choose-your-own-adventure game with timers. The idea, he says, is that you are connected with a, with a, a, a mage called Ash from another world, 
and must help him or her through various adventures. The gender is never explicitly stated. So it's up to the reader to decide. What's that game that everybody was playing for a while? Um, Ashley, and he was, or she. I don't think we ever really found out whether Ashley was a male or a female. Ashley Stranded, was it on Mars? It was a good game. It was a good. I, I did enjoy playing that one. Um, anyway, on the on the time crash thing, Christopher says you can either lead Ash to victory or death, depending on the choices you make. Sounds like life in general. The timers add a lot of uh, realism to the game by making you wait while Ash does time sensitive things such as traveling, eating, or sleeping. It should also yeah, it does sound very similar to that. Mars game I was talking about. It should also be mentioned, says Christopher, that the developers have gone above and beyond to make the voiceover experience phenomenal. Even if this type of game and or story isn't your cup of tea, I highly recommend at least checking it out. The music tracks are awesome. High praise indeed. From Christopher Wright. Your conversation, he continues, about guide dogs got me thinking about transportation for the blind. I personally don't want a guide dog for a variety of reasons. Most of the problem comes from the fact that I'm not an animal person. If I got a guide dog, I would only want to use it for navigation, but this is not practical or fair. Owning a guide dog involves an incredible amount of work and responsibility, and I believe there are some people that get them for the wrong reasons. Whew, that's controversial, Christopher. I thought I was controversial. I believe some get them for the attention they generate from random people in public. Some people do get them for the companionship as well, I think, Christopher. Some people do... You know, it, it, it gives them companionship, makes them feel less lonely. I think that is that is true. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing either, but I think it is a fact. Please correct me, he continues, if I'm wrong on any of the following, but this is my thought process against guide dogs. The dog wouldn't be able to assist me with my primary issue, which is a lack of access to visual information. Sure, the dog can certainly be helpful for avoiding obstacles or getting out of potentially fatal situations, but it cannot read signs, describe how a building or street is laid out, or tell me exactly how and where I need to go in order to get from point A to B. I have heard that guide dogs can be trained to take you to specific places if you travel to them frequently. But this might not always be the case, especially when entering new or unfamiliar territory. I'll just pause there and say, I, as a guide dog handler and someone who's worked with other guide dog handlers, it is pretty impressive the way that many dogs will find lifts slash elevators, find counters at uh, stores and various things they they know certain things humans like to visit on a regular basis and of course getting in and out of a place can be greatly sped up so yes there are there are certain things that they can do like that i'm reminded says christopher of the reason we switched from using horses to cars 
with a car, you use it when necessary and park somewhere once you're finished. The car doesn't need constant attention, unlike the horse, and will wait patiently for the next trip. Well, didn't we switch from horses to cars because cars were so much faster? But but yeah, I, I take the point. This is my problem, he says, with a guide dog versus a cane or other mobility aids. I want to use my tools when they help me, but put them away once finished. This is why I love services like Ira. Yeah, I, I can call an agent and have immediate access to any visual info that I may need to help me navigate my environment. I would love to have a guide robot powered by highly advanced object recognition, AI and GPS to guide me confidently and safely to any destination I choose. Ira, my cane skills and sighted guides will have to do for now until this comes along. Then again, maybe that's a pipe dream. I don't know. I look forward to your thoughts on this subject as well as comments from other listeners. You assume there are other listeners, Christopher, but that's a a bold hope. Transportation and navigation, he says, are major problems for blind people that haven't been fully addressed yet. This issue is as important as my enthusiasm for smart home technology. At the end of the day, I'm always looking for ways to break down that infuriating information barrier called blindness. Thank you, he says, for putting that term in my head. Oh, I use it all the time and love it. It's so true. I'm glad to be of service. Sometimes I don't remember half the soup I say, Christopher. That was a very interesting message and I look forward to people's comments on it Uh, you do certainly have to be I mean I have to say when I look at Eclipse Bonnie's current dog I like having Eclipse around I mean it you yes if you're not a dog person I completely think you're making the right personal call for you I, I do I do love having Eclipse around the house she's got so much personality and she's cute and she comes and says hello and she sort of knows when you're having a a down day and she's very good at what she does but yes if you're not an animal person or you don't want the responsibility I think you're absolutely right Christopher it's a commitment having a dog and looking after the dog and nurturing it grooming it it's certainly not for everybody Jonathan Mosin Mosin at Large Park I was saying to Bonnie yesterday, Bonnie, I was saying yesterday, it's, I guess, a commentary on the era in which we live. I remember as a kid and and even more recently than that, because I was a kid a very long time ago now, you'd look forward to a TV network or more commonly a radio station starting. Sometimes it was a brand new station, but more often than not, maybe they'd be changing formats. They were owned by a new entity or something and they'd make a big deal of closing down the old format and sometimes there'd be these really cool transitions when a radio station was changing from one format to another and that was fun I think a lot of blind people sort of geeked out on that but there'd be a shared experience 
you'd know that at the pre-appointed time, this new radio outlet or TV station or whatever would come on and everybody who was interested in that sort of thing would sit down and watch it together. Now we have a plethora of new streaming services starting. Apple TV Plus kicked off on the 1st of November US time, and I did wonder whether we would get it on the 1st of November New Zealand time, thus being the first to get Apple TV Plus, like we are the first to get the new iPhones and things like that, but no. It was a global worldwide switch on at about the same time, There was no launch event that we could all sit and watch. It was just, you know, it was there. Suddenly the shows were there. I was interested that it was in some respects what I would call a soft launch, although Apple did a lot of media around the event. But I was expecting there might be a new plus tab in the TV app that you would choose, you know, the tab at the bottom of the screen where they have... TV and video and search and things. And I was expecting there'd be like a plus tab, Apple TV plus tab. Maybe they will do that in future, but they didn't do it right now because there's such a small amount of content available in Apple TV plus. But I am pleased to say that my free offer for which I was eligible on two grounds was very easy to apply. Our Apple TV just sort of exploded... After a lightning strike, despite the surge protector being in place. So getting a new Apple TV 4K made us eligible, but also my new iPhone 11 Pro Max made me eligible as well. And when I went into Apple TV Plus, once it went live, it was there. And it just said, you know, because you bought an iPhone 11, you can have it free for a year. Now, one caveat about this Don't cancel your subscription early. If you are eligible for this and you think, eh, it's okay, but when my year expires, I don't want to get charged, don't cancel it because the moment that you do, you're switched off. It's not a typical scenario where normally if you cancel an Apple subscription early, you can have your service or app or whatever it is until the subscription's time expires not the case this time probably because it's a free offer or something i'm not sure but um that's that's the deal so be careful with that if you don't want to pay in a year's time set yourself a reminder or something for the 28th of october or something like that next year to cancel it and you should be in good shape so what have we got well I watched some of Oprah's book club. That was nice. And it was, it was kind of like watching a TV channel because Oprah said, welcome to Apple TV Plus. And that was the first thing I watched was a bit of the uh, Oprah's book club. And it made me feel kind of welcome. No audio description there, but who needs audio description in that context? I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing that there was no audio description because it's a chat show, isn't it? So that's fine. The other shows are all audio described. And last night, Bonnie said, let's watch For All Mankind, which I'll come back to. I knew that we'd most likely enjoy that show. And I said, I think what I would like to do before we do that is watch an episode of C, because I think it's the one show that will probably be talked about the most in our community. There's been a lot of anticipation. And for those who are not familiar with C, 
the premise behind this is that there's been some sort of major virus that actually happened in the 21st century. So it could be coming soon. Coming soon. And um, it decimated the population of the world and those who are left are blind. And it's some sort of... The, the, the virus has made blindness hereditary. So generations of people then become blind. The one thing I thought when I watched this last night was... Am I being oversensitive or given the very, for want of a better term, primitive world that these blind people are in, is there a suggestion that if the world was made up of blind people entirely, we wouldn't have new technology, we wouldn't have accessible things to help us you know, function in a more high-tech way? And I said this to Bonnie and Bonnie said, well, but it could be an infrastructure thing, you know, but According to the premise, there wasn't like a nuclear attack or anything like that. It was just a virus that wiped out a lot of humankind. So presumably, based on that premise, there was no huge decimation of the infrastructure other than maybe there weren't people to keep it up and running over time, you know? So I'm not sure I feel terribly comfortable about that premise, but I, you know, I accept I could be overthinking it. And I wonder where it's going, because what happens is that uh, there are twins born in the first episode who we find out at the end are absolutely definitely sighted. And for some people, being able to see is like a heretical thing. It's seen as a threat. The Queen is an interesting character. So one wonders where, where it's going. Are the sighted kids going to save the the blind people? Um, is it... Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know where it's going. Are they going to be perceived as a threat? Are, are the sighted people going to be wiped out? Yeah, so I'm I'm intrigued in terms of where the plot goes, but I have to say it's not the kind of show I would normally watch. I found there was a lot of time establishing the world, wasn't there? If you've seen this, there was a lot of time kind of helping us to get to know the world in which we are being transported not a lot of character development there. It just didn't grab me. I'm kind of intrigued about the plot line, and maybe that'll keep me watching. Bonnie sort of thought, oh, she probably won't watch episode two, and I watched it a little bit on my phone after we watched it on the Apple TV. I just got kind of bored with it, you know. But boy, I will say this, it's just as well it's audio described because if you turn the audio description track off, there's not a lot of dialogue, not a lot of dialogue. There's all sorts of movement going on. So that that is C, and I'll be very interested to hear what people think. Um, if you're more into the sort of fantasy genre, I, I kind of think of it more as fantasy than sci-fi, to be honest then maybe you think it's absolutely awesome. It's not the kind of genre I would normally watch. So I think, you know, my my, my lukewarmness about it is more stemming from there. That's just not really the kind of thing I, I would go for. But what do you think of C? Now, we did watch episode one of For All Mankind, and we loved that. We loved it. The premise behind this one, if you haven't come across it yet, is what would have happened had the US been pipped to the post and the Soviets landed a man on the moon first. And the premise behind this is it would have really motivated everybody and the space race would have continued. It wouldn't sort of have petered out in the way that it did after Apollo. I thought there were some really cool touches about this. Like, for example, in their world, 
Soviets landed on the moon on, I think it was the 26th of June. And of course, Apollo 11 landed on the 20th of July. And there was even a little mention of the fact that Ted Kennedy cancelled a party that was going to be held that weekend at Chappaquiddick so he could go back to Washington and organise hearings on what had gone wrong, why his brother's vision had not been achieved of being the first to the moon. Very clever touch. And I wonder where that's going. Without Chappaquiddick affecting Kennedy's legacy, does that mean that in this world, Ted Kennedy becomes president, for example? Really, really cool. I loved it. And in both cases, these two show that we watched, and we, we haven't watched um, the morning show yet, but I was very impressed with the quality of the audio description in terms of sometimes when you get audio described content, the audio that they're describing kind of dips in this very abrupt, horrible way and it's disconcerting. And they've done a very good job technically of the audio description, in my view. So Apple TV Plus for All Mankind gets a big thumbs up from me. See, it's just not my kind of thing. But I am really curious to see what happens to the blind people in the story. You know, I'm kind of intrigued Based on that, I may just end up just finding plot summaries as the episodes come out. They've released the first three episodes, but they're not releasing the whole series Netflix style. So you can't binge watch in quite the same way. And when you have such a small library of content, I suspect that's the best way to do it. So what do you think of Apple TV Plus? Have you got it? Are you eligible for it free? And if you're not, have you paid? What do you think of the show's? I'd be really keen to hear your views. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. John Wesley Smith here, and I got a kick out of uh, your comments about my name. I uh, do not come from a Methodist family, so I don't know how my folks picked out the uh, name John Wesley for me, but um, uh, maybe just to sound dignified, I don't know. I completely agree with your sentiments about blind face, as you call it. Poor way to raise money. And uh, it's not not a good PR thing, in my opinion. And I also agree with the notion that Braille should be capitalized. Now, as far as the Brave browser, how did I come across that? Well, I um, regularly listen to a couple of podcasts uh, that are dealing with current events. One of them is called The Sunday Wire, and it's put out by people at... 21stCenturyWire.com. That's 21stCenturyWire.com. And uh, it is part of what I guess folks would call the alternative media. But they started promoting the Brave browser several months ago, and they have a link for it on their site. I was reluctant to try it because I didn't know how it would do with JAWS or NVDA. But I happened to hear someone mention somewhere along the way on one of the uh, FS casts, I believe it was, that um, JAWS uh, would work with Brave. So I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And I did, and I have liked it so much that I made it my default browser. So up until a few days ago, it was working with both um, JAWS and NVDA, and now it seems to only work with JAWS. And I'm not sure that's 100% as good as it was. But in any event, it's not working with NVDA at all now. And evidently, the browser updated on October 24th. 
I have two portable copies of NVDA, one on the computer itself in a folder of its own and another on a flash drive, and uh, neither one of those works with Brave now, so I'm sure that it's not a problem with NVDA. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I'm not sure I know how to uh, get in touch with somebody at Brave to rectify the situation, but I thought I would let folks know Brave still does work with JAWS, and uh, it is still Brave is still my default browser for now. But uh, disappointing nonetheless to find that uh, it's not working with NVDA. Thank you, John. And I looked into this Brave browser following your recommendation of it to find out, you know, what what is it about this Brave browser that distinguishes it from other browsers? And what I found was that it's all about security. They have a lot of built-in ad blocking, anti-fingerprint technology, and they also are quite careful about what parts of a web page that they load. And you can turn on and off various features regarding this. You can disable social media logins and various things. So it's all about anonymizing your web data a bit more and speed. There are versions for Windows and iOS and I think Android as well. And you can sync your bookmarks and history and other data. And you do that by entering a sync code on all of the devices that you want to sync your data with. So you would go into settings on one of the devices that you have and you'd grab the code and then you'd go into settings on the other devices that are running Brave and enter this code. And in theory, they should all be in sync. I couldn't get this to work for various reasons I can't now remember. I don't know whether it was an accessibility bug in the Windows or the iOS thing, but I couldn't get it to work. The Brave browser was also started by somebody who left Mozilla after campaigning for, I think, Proposition 8, which was the 2008 California referendum topic that sought to ban gay marriage. So that made me very uncomfortable about exploring it much further when I hit the bugs. Um, People can think what they want, but also people can consume what they want on that basis too. And so I've you know, had a play. It was fast. Uh, It did work well with JAWS. I don't use NVDA, but it worked fine with JAWS as far as I could tell. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty fast. But for me at the moment, I'm still really enjoying the Chromium beta version of Microsoft Edge. I'm really looking forward to that becoming the default version of Edge that ships with Windows. But yes, you can take a look at the Brave browser and um, if you're a JAWS user, it does seem to be working okay. WWV, all the time, all the time. Same time, same station, every time. WWV. One, two, three, four. Every second counts at WWV. For a good time, call 555-4-WWV. WWV, for the time of your life. We'll be back with the time on WWV in just a minute. But first, here's another minute. Is 
WWV still a thing? I know there was some talk about it closing down. Did they actually end up closing it down? I guess I could find out, couldn't I? Because I've got it in my phone. Call WWV. Calling WWV. Work. Calling WWV at work. Your call cannot proceed at this time due to congestion. What? Please try again later. Never heard that message before. Maybe it's gone. Gone, I tell you. Hi, Jonathan, says Tristan. Hi back, Tristan, says Jonathan. I really enjoyed the segment in your latest podcast about the censorship of swear words by smart speakers. The Google Home is just as guilty of bleeping out words that it deems offensive. I have a Spotify playlist called Seriously Good Shit. So called because it's my goal to put every awesome song I've ever heard into it. When I ask my smart speaker to play it, it obliges, but says, okay, playing seriously good beep. There's no way to toggle the swear filter on and off. I guess the powers that be, says Google, says, says Tristan at Google, are worried that a kid might be walking past my second floor flat might hear an expletive through the open window and possibly be traumatised for life. On a related note, she says, blindness agencies have a really bad history of censoring the naughty words out of books and magazines. When I was in my early teens, my local blindness agency started offering audio versions of a publication called Countdown. Although the issues were months out of date, it was very exciting because it was a contemporary rock magazine that contained interviews with bands that were actually current that year. Cool stuff, she says. Except for one thing, all the swearing, and there was a bit of it, was beeped out. So while other kids of 12 and 13 had access to the full magazine with swearing, someone somewhere decided that blind kids of the same age couldn't possibly cope with the odd F-bomb. The joke was on them, though, because the original recording must have contained the swearing with the beep added in later, because if you listened hard enough, you could tell just exactly which words had been beeped out. Anyway, thanks for such an interesting topic and the opportunity to contribute. Sent from my iPhone. Oh, I guess I should stop reading now. Thank you, Tristan. You'd be surprised how much sensitivity there is around this. Uh, when I was chairman of the board of our blindness agency in New Zealand, I remember dealing with somebody who was absolutely appalled that there was a book in the library that this person had found out about that was quite um, sexually explicit and full of naughty words. And this person was going to go to them. I'm going to go to the media and tell them that when they donate to your organization, they are donating to give blind people access to filth. Filth, I tell you. So I had to call this person and talk them through, you know, don't you think they should be entitled to a representative selection of a range of content that somehow blind people don't need to be 
protected. I mean, we're not talking about a publication that's been banned or anything. You know what I mean? This is this is just a book that's got a few naughty bits in it, you know. Yeah, I mean, stop it or you'll go blind, that's what I say. But there's a lot of sensitivity around this, and it's a hard one to explain. I think as blind people, we we implicitly know the deal. But there are people who think that blind people shouldn't have access to this stuff and that donor money shouldn't be used. I guess it must be even potentially more problematic in the United States where their NLS thing, and very, and a very good thing it is too, is publicly funded, isn't it? It's taxpayer funded. So you can imagine some somebody from the moral majority or whatever getting up and saying, our taxpaying dollars are being used to corrupt the blind population. And maybe it's happened. Has it happened? I would not be at all surprised. Well, says John, I understand that being a New Zealander and a 14-year-old one at the time of what I'm going to mention here, you don't remember the kerfuffle over then-Congressman Traficanto's tirade over the fact that NLS published Playboy in Braille. Ah, now I do remember there was some song that somebody wrote about this, so it is vaguely on my radar. John says, I believe he may have introduced legislation to decrease the NLS budget in the amount equivalent to the cost of producing the Braille copy of Playboy. Blessedly, that was beaten back rather soundly. I am not surprised, John, to hear that it came up. Not surprised at all. We have Roger Stewart and Lino Morales both confirming that WWV is still a Hampton thing. Roger says WWV is still on. The Republicans were going to cut it, but I think because of the Democrats taking back the House, it was saved. Saved. I use it all the time to set clocks. I also use WWVB as I have several talking atomic clocks and watches. Well, let me see if I can make another call. Call WWV. Calling WWV. Work. Your call cannot proceed at this time due to congestion. Please try again later. I feel I've been deprived of my WWV. And it's very upsetting. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what the deal is. Can you still phone it up? Maybe they took the phone service of WWVA way. Sean has been in touch with a couple of things. He mentions the Votrax speech synthesizer and talks about old timers and technology. Oh, thanks, Sean. <laughs> yes, the Votrax was notorious for bleeping out naughty words, wasn't it? It was, it was a big one for the bleeps. Here's another message from him. Good morning, Jonathan. It's Sean Thiel here. I decided to rock up on the mixer for a change. Very good, too. So good audio, mate. I am having problems with Braille screen input. Pam had been asking questions um, last episode. I am finding that sometimes when I rotor into Braille screen input that the original screen contents show up. And the only way to resolve it is to actually rotor out of Braille screen input, come back in do an explore with holding down one of the dots until I get the three tones and hear which dot I'm holding down. 
and then lifting up straight after that, doing a normal calibration and continuing works fine. I am using tabletop mode and I bought the iPhone XR specifically because one, I liked the shape and two, I could braille right on the corners and I very much enjoy doing that. Mechanical keyboards are amazing. I have two of them now. I started out with a DAS keyboard, D-A-S keyboard. That's the model brand name, actually. And I had the blue switches. At the time, I shared an office, and so out of respect for that person, I did not bring that keyboard to work. But I was having a really difficult time switching between the mechanical at home and the normal membrane keyboard at work. The person I was dating at the time, this was probably in 2014, I think, bought me very kindly a mechanical keyboard. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? I mean, you know, flowers, chocolates, but darling, here's a mechanical keyboard. Some, I mean, those mechanical keyboards are heavy. If I pick mine up, dump it on the desk. Whoa, it's a heavy thing. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, well done on being given that. I think you're listening, but if you are, thank you. Everybody's listening. And that was very helpful. Hmm. And I realized that I do much more typing at work when uh, I'm doing that kind of stuff than I do at home. And I'm no longer sharing an office. So I decided to bring the clicky keyboard to work. In the clicky, and clicky, the clicky, clicky, non-clicky room. keyboard the with clicky, brown switches home. And it's actually a little bit better for audio work. So I'm I'm okay with that. I was at Best Buy and they had a display of mechanical gaming keyboards and they had a thing that had a red switch, a brown switch, and a blue switch on one little platform. That's a good idea. And I didn't like the red switch on its own, but it might be different with an entire keyboard full of them. I don't know. Third and final point is that with the soup drinker device, as you call it, Yes. You can tell her, remember that I put my keys on the dresser on the left-hand side, and later when you ask where are my keys, she'll dutifully tell you. I imagine you could probably have her remember things other than just where you've placed objects. So it could be useful for people with memory loss issues, and I haven't actually really done a lot with it apart from just testing out the keys example. So... But I wanted to let people know because I have had them for years and didn't know until I found an article on CNET about it. They also indicated that you can use the tiles if you have them. But if you don't, this is better than nothing. Anyway, thanks for the podcast and the show. Mm. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to the next one. See Thank you, you and you, have a very you, good day. You must have missed out on the Daily Fiber, Sean, because we covered this when they introduced it. But for example, here's my question. Let me try this. Soup drinker, when is the Daily Fiber? Here's what I found. The Daily Fiber is on at 7 p.m. every weeknight. Did that answer your question? Yes. So Thanks for your feedback. I remember trying this feature when it was introduced and we mentioned it on the daily fiber and so as a demonstration i told the drinker to remember that the daily fiber was on at that time how the how the heck i nearly swore in there how the soup do you tell it to forget something i mean soup drinker forget what i told you about the daily fiber sorry i'm not sure 
So I, I understand how you make it remember things, but there are times when you would like it to forget things. There are times when I would like to forget things. How do you do that bit? The tiles are cool. I really like having a tile attached to my keys and a tile in my wallet and stuff like that. But every so often I get into a taxi usually and the tile on my key gets bumped and my phone starts to ring with this dinky little ringtone or I sit in a certain way and the tile on my wallet goes off. But it's it's good. And there is a tile skill for the drinker as well. So that's good. But yes, you're a, the, the slightly lower tech solutions are fine. Hello, Jonathan says Linda. And listeners, she says optimistically, I just finished the annoying task of fixing the time on at least seven clocks, Westminster, cuckoos, timers, etc. So I, for one, would love keeping the time the same all year long. I hate having my sleep messed up as well. I'm just thinking, Linda, I don't think we have a lot of clocks to mess with because they're all automatic, with the possible exception of the microwave. But we don't have a lot of analogue clocks. And, of course, we wear Apple Watches, so that's taken care of. On another note, says Linda, I really enjoy hearing book recommendations from you and Bonnie. I found the Archer book on Bard. Now, which Archer book will we recommending? Oh, Hedge You Win. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Nancy Cowboy was reading that. I wonder how she's getting on with it. And it's commercially read. I would like to recommend a novel by Claire McIntosh on Audible. It's called After the End. It's a heavy story as it involves a very sick little boy. It begins in a courtroom, but then the author portrays two alternative plot outcomes. While reading it, I wasn't sure how I felt about that, but it was certainly different. I think it would, that sounds like a kind of a sad story that would break my brain badly. <laughs> I'm a bit of a sucker for those sad books. I, I am still using an iPhone 7, says Linda. In terms of Ira, would it matter which iPhone 11 I purchased? Is the battery life the same with all versions of iPhone 11? All the accessibility issues surrounding iOS 13 have kept me from downloading it thus far. Gosh, I wish I'd been that sensible. For me, all the work, and there is work to owning a guide dog, she says, is so worth it for the mobility assistance I get. I was a cane traveler for many years before obtaining a guide dog. I worked in Manhattan then and will never forget the feeling of navigating quickly and smoothly through all the crowds on the narrow streets of Lower Manhattan. She would weave in and out of people. While I have never had vision, I swear I felt like a sighted traveller. All guide dogs do not have the same skill set, but it is really cool that the dog can learn which building you need in the middle of a very long block. And while we must decide when to cross a street, I feel safer crossing busy streets with unaware drivers with my guide. I could go on and on, but I won't, says Linda. I will maintain that to travel safely and successfully, I use several things. My guide dog, my trekker breeze, Ira occasionally, 
and my cell phone is always with me. And where you live and available transportation makes a big difference. Thank you, Linda. There is something about the freedom of movement that comes with traveling with a dog. That is absolutely right. It's it's a wonderful way to travel. It really is. And I think uh, it's it's one of those things that it's hard to tell a cane user about who hasn't used a dog. It's glorious traveling with that freedom and I think fluidity. Fluidity is a word that I would use. And I'm sorry, Leather, I didn't ask you, answer your question about IRA and the phones. No, the battery life in the iPhone 11s aren't all the same. The best battery life by far is on the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Yes, I'm very specific. I mean, the battery life's pretty good on all of them, but the best battery life is unquestionably, and this is confirmed by Apple's own specs, the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Really, I don't think it will make any difference at all in terms of of your IRA use, which iPhone 11 model you get. They're pretty jolly good cameras uh, all round. Kathy Blackburn says, here's an irritating thing that Apple knows about and hasn't yet fixed. I think this bug was introduced with iOS 13.0. Say you want to create a new contact using a phone number from recent calls. Once you're on the new contact screen and you've double-tapped the edit field to open it, you sometimes cannot enter anything. Other times, you might start typing and the cursor jumps out of the field and goes somewhere else and content that has nothing to do with the data you want gets entered. This problem is not limited to voiceover users. Apple Accessibility is aware of this. Thanks, Kathy. I use an app called CardHop. I really recommend this app. If you're familiar with Fantastical on your iPhone, which is an alternative calendar app, Way better, in my opinion, than Apple's built-in calendar app because it has natural language input and it's just a really nice experience. This is made by the same people who make Fantastical. And what you can do is it's kind of like a command line. And many of us who have been using computers for a long time will be familiar with command lines. You get an edit field at the top of the card hop app and you can just type something like um, Jonathan Mosen work phone plus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, work email, whatever. And then what happens is if there's already a Jonathan Mosen contact, you get an option to update it with that information and you just double tap it and it's done. If there's no Jonathan Mosen contact, you'll get the opportunity to create a new contact with all that stuff filtered in. So basically you type a natural language expression into the edit field pertaining to contacts and you're done. And you can also do things like call Jonathan Mosen. You can type it in and it will come up with all the appropriate actions or email, you know, email Fred, Jim, Tom and Harry. And you'll be given the opportunity to do that too. It's an amazingly powerful app. So that is called Card Hop. Mosen at Large Podcast. May Thompson has tweeted in and says, I was listening to a song on my Amazon Echo and asked Siri to recognize it. She told me and I meant to write it down but forgot what it was called. Is there any way I can look back on what she said 
or have I lost it? You have lost it, May. <laughs> no, no, seriously, you have lost it. This is where using the actual Shazam app is a better bet. It's actually faster than Siri anyway, and it keeps a record of your Shazam history. In fact, you can link your music service of choice to Shazam, and it will create a playlist in your music service of choice of songs that you have Shazammed. So I would highly recommend to avoid this happening again, get the actual Shazam app from the App Store. It's free, and that will get around the problem that you have so articulately identified. WWV, uh, this is creating a bit of conversation on Twitter. John says it's still available, and if you want to try the number, it's not working for me, and I this is the number I am trying. I don't know whether there's some glitch at the moment here or whether it's permanent, but the number is 303-499-7111. That number again, 303-499-7111. You are very welcome. Peggy Kern says, I've never seen a mechanical keyboard. What makes it different than a regular computer keyboard? Modern computer keyboards are kind of spongy membrane type devices and they're cheap to manufacture. They're also incredibly light. If you, You've probably been using computer keyboards long enough, Peggy, that you have actually used a mechanical keyboard and just didn't realize it. If you remember the bigger, older keyboards that were kind of thicker, um, they use physical switches, whereas non-mechanical keyboard tend to just use a membrane type thing. So when you type, there's much better travel and they kind of have the satisfying click about them. They're just better built. They don't feel kind of spongy. and They're wonderful. If you love to type and you're a serious typist, maybe do what Sean suggested. Go to a Best Buy, see if... It's a thing at all the Best Buys that they have a little keyboard set up with all the different switches so you can try them and see which one you like best. You will never want to go back to these new modern keyboards after you've tried a mechanical one, I think. The day before yesterday, says Kathy Blackburn on the Twitter, I went to the Apple store thinking I would only be replacing the battery in my iPhone 8. Replacement process did not go as expected. They replaced my phone for the cost of the new battery. Wow. Well, that's nice. As long as you got a... Was it a new one or a refurb or what did you get there? That's pretty impressive. Here's Tom Reynolds. We're going to be talking a bit about audio now again. Hello, Jonathan. Audio seems to be a bit of a running theme today. I want to direct my observations and a question or two to the resident audio expert. Tag... You're it. Oh, no pressure then, Tom. <clears throat> Got lots of people who know about audio listening, I'm sure. I currently own three different Apple devices. Woo! An iPhone 6S. Nothing succeeds like 6S, eh? <clears throat> an iPhone 7 and an iPad Pro 2017 version. Oh, yes, I've got that one too because it's got the headphone jack. I have upgraded my iPhone 7 and iPad Pro to iOS 13.2 and iPad OS 13.2, respectively, says Tom. My iPhone 6S is still running iOS 12.4.1, and for good reason. Here is the reason. Speech output from voiceover is not heard through my paired Bang and Olofsson 
Bluetooth speakers under iOS 13.1 and later, and under iPad OS 13.1 and later. Instead, the speech output is heard on the given Apple device, which in this case would be my iPhone 7 or iPad Pro. Speech output from Siri goes to the paired speakers, as you would expect, along with any music, podcast, or any other audio content. On my iPhone 6S under iOS 12.4.1, all audio output goes to the paired speakers as it should. I've reported this issue to both Bang and Olufsen support and Apple Accessibility support. Apple told me that they are aware of this issue, but couldn't tell me when a fix would be coming. Interestingly, I don't see this behavior if I use any of my three Bluetooth headsets. Well, Tom, I have a theory about this. <coughs> this is my theory. My theory, you're not going to like this, and I wish Apple would just come out and tell you this. My theory is that this is intended behavior. My theory is it's not a bug, it's a feature. And I say this because for a long time, the feedback from a lot of blind techies was invest in the little bit extra required to get an AirPlay speaker, not a Bluetooth speaker, because the advantage of getting an AirPlay speaker is that voiceover stays on your device and you can just listen to the music. So if you're using the Apple Music app, for example, it allows you to listen with other people, enjoy the music while using voiceover on your device to, say, queue up the next track. This is how it works and has worked for as long as I can remember on AirPlay devices. I think initially when AirPlay was introduced, voiceover came through that and was incredibly laggy. So in a version of iOS some time ago, they fixed it. So AirPlay... Uh, gave you the external you know, music and other sounds, but kept voiceover on the local device. Now, AirPlay speakers tend to be more expensive. So I think somebody's made a decision at Apple to say, we're doing people a favor by producing the same type of functionality with Bluetooth as we've had for ages with AirPlay. There are two things I would say. One is, when you make a big change like this, and you'll recall there was, I, I was initiating a lot of argy-bargy over the change of behavior with deleting messages in the email app last year, which infuriated the soup. I'm not even going to bleep this one. It infuriated the soup out of me that they did this, that they, they basically defaulted when you deleted an email, it stayed on delete. It was a terrible thing to do. And, you know, they, everybody thought, a lot of people thought initially it was a bug. And then it turned out some Apple engineer had thought this was a good idea. So I do wish that Apple would come out with a series of comprehensive release notes. I don't think it's too much to ask. It says, here's what's new with voiceover behavior in iOS 13. Here's all the changes that we've made. I mean, <laughs> I guess I spent a lot of time trying to do this with the iOS without the iSeries, but it was never officially sanctioned by Apple and it was kind of experimental, you know, and sometimes I would miss one or two things. I had, I would have had no idea that somebody at Apple would have ever thought for a second that it was a good idea to keep the rotor focus on delete when you are going through email items, when it's inconsistent with the way the rotor generally works other than in the app switcher. And eventually pressure saw sense prevail and they took the feature away, thank goodness. In this case, I can see the value of doing what they've done, but I think it should be a toggle somewhere. And it sounds like it isn't a toggle. 
But if they would just front up and say what's new and this is what we've done, we could at least have a conversation as a community with Apple about whether this is a good feature or not. So I suspect it's deliberate. But I've heard others complaining about this one as well. It's Bonnie Bulletin time. Hello. Welcome to you. Hello. Feel the fear and do it anyway. There's a book called that, you know. Oh, that's good. Have you read that? Nope. Well, I'm doing that today. I was deeply emotionally scarred. Yes, we know. Traumatized I was by the World Cup. It's not the losing I mind. It's the fact that we lost in such really dodgy circumstances uh, where we were, we were, we played our hearts out. The game was effectively tied, and we were robbed, I think, of the World Cup by a bizarre couple of decisions. So I sort of swore off cricket, but it's been such a big part of my life. And I thought it's kind of like you've got to get back on the bike when you fall yeah. off the bike. Mm-hmm. So this afternoon, we're all going, we're all going on a summer. It's 20 degrees today, and it's going to be a glorious day, and we're going to the stadium for a cricket match. And not only any cricket match, but it's actually between New Zealand and England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be it. We've got the radio. I'm taking my Texan, whatever that thing is, PL800 radio with the digital <clears throat> keypad tuning and wide band AM so I can listen to the sports commentary in pristine quality. We've got a radio for you. Yep, and we're taking Eclipse and I'll take a towel and her bowl. Yeah. yeah. Here's a very interesting little nugget from Peggy Kern. I did not know this, so there you go. This is what I like about this this, this show. We, we, we share our mm-hmm. collective knowledge. She says, you haven't, or may, may you be so happy about this, you haven't lost the name of a song you've had Siri identify. Here's what you do. Open iTunes Store on the phone, find Item Lists, select Siri Lists, and there will be a list of identified songs. Oh, cool. Amazing. Mm. Thank you very much. And in terms of what they did for Kathy Blackburn at Apple, where she went in to get a battery replacement and they just said, oh, here's a new phone. That was Apparently nice. it is a new iPhone 8 because she opened the TV app yesterday and she was offered the one-year free trial cool. of Apple TV Plus because she had the new iPhone 8. Mm. What do you think of Apple TV Plus? I liked the For All Mankind. That was a really good one. The mm. first episode was very interesting. Um, C, I was just not that impressed with. I mean, um, I've seen some people on Facebook call it Game of Thrones for Blinkies, but it's not. Eh, no. I mean, it, it's just, <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones at all, period. The world building, you were saying the world building was slow. I thought it was very slow, and there was no real character development. I mean, I, in that no. first episode, I don't. Game of Thrones, you're drawn right in from the get-go. If you say so. Yeah. Hmm. But, and you know, you, you see the characters. But these were like primitive cave people or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, to to get drawn into a story, you have to feel like you're – Understanding the characters. I guess mm-hmm. the, the one character that I thought did leave an impression was the Queen. <laughs> well, the Queen was a bit out there, yeah. And she lives in a dam, so that was a bit strange. But um, no, I mean, I felt like I was watching Clan of the Cave Bears or something because the woman's having a baby 
you know, and and there just wasn't that midwife or whatever she was was there. And just, I don't know, there was no real dialogue. And even the soldiers, you know, when they're going to fight, you know, you didn't, you didn't really understand what they were. They were witch finders, but you didn't understand why they were. And, and it may be revealed later, but you didn't, I don't know. It's just, it wasn't. And talking about the whole breakdown of society and blind people, well, look at the collapse of the Roman Empire. I mean, that was a very highly sophisticated society um, with a lot of modern, or what would be for that time at least, modern conveniences with their pools and running water and um, road network, that sort of thing. But when my <laughs> ancestors, if you believe my mother's family tree, uh, brought them to their knees – then, you know, that plunged Europe and, and most of that part of that world that that was the Roman Empire into the Dark Ages for a thousand years. Right. So it's I think it's the same type of thing if there was some sort of cataclysmic virus or something that took out half the population. I think you would find that um, if you've ever watched Life Without People, which came on on I think it was the History Channel or some nature or something. And. It talks about what happens to the world after the people are gone. You never know how the people left. They're just not there anymore. And it's actually quite fascinating to see, because stuff still runs, like how long does the electric grid last? What happens to the nuclear plants? Hmm. What happens to the animals, you know, the houses? How long does it take for cities to start really decaying? And it was showing I mean, like bridges. In, in, in this case, there are people. They're just all blind people. Yeah, they're all people, hmm. but you also might lose that knowledge of, how to run the electrical grids and mm. how to run things. So, mm. you know, I think it's it's just a breakdown of society. And they still have some of it, like they're living in that dam. And what about the reading system? That's kind yeah, of yeah. That's kind of the knot. That was kind of strange. Yeah, just yeah. Braille? I mean, you'd think yeah, you'd think that braille would have survived, wouldn't you? Because yeah. if you had a world full of blind people, suddenly the 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 real blind people i mean i mean the blind people have been blind and no braille all their lives and stuff they would have they would be like gods wouldn't they they would be able to train people yeah. they'd all be going to the louisiana center and, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. the knots yeah that was kind of yeah. interesting yeah it, it, it was a, but i mean i didn't think it was offensive or anything no, it wasn't I, I, offensive. I, I just no, i just couldn't get offensive. i just couldn't, I just get couldn't into really it. get into it it was kind yeah. of yeah i mean and none of the yeah as I said, none of the, the characters seemed very likable no. Uh, yay, cricket, says Sarah Hillis. I've followed the games with notifications, but I may have to see if I can get a broadcast of this game. Come on, NZ! Hmm. Win this one. We, we won the World Cup, actually. We yep. just weren't given it. <laughs> mm. What else has been happening with you, Bonnie? So I was going to bring up a topic that's a sensitive topic. Yeah. Just because it's something people don't talk about much. Yes. That's snoring. Oh, okay. So I snore. You know, it, it cause it can cause problems for everybody. So um just wanted to bring that up, see if anyone has any remedies. Snoring it. remedies. Yeah. It's a very unique situation when one has a <clears throat> significant hearing impairment as I do. You're not used to hearing stuff in your sleep. But the frequency of a snore is so bassy that it sort of vibrates and and is audible and so 
when you are basically used to absolute, more or less absolute silence when you've got no hearing aids in, and then you hear the sound, I think I think the snoring probably irritates many people because of its sort of constant rhythm. You yeah. sit there and you know when the next one's coming. <laughs> yeah. But I think you're particularly susceptible to it as a hearing impaired person who doesn't normally hear sound, and suddenly you're hearing this sound. And... um and and it's it's bass and it's vibration. There are all sorts of weird things that people recommend, like little gadgets. Yeah, the things that go. Mine is, and I have been to an ENT, and mine is due primarily to enlarged tonsils and a collapsed palate, um, the soft palate in the back of the throat. So um, the only thing they can really do about it is surgery. Yeah, but tonsillectomies are really sort of major surgery for adults. Yeah. Well, I was reading online because I'm going to go see another ENT. Mm. And there are some laser things they can do with the palate. So that may be a possibility. Interesting. So. Well, I, um, I mean, I remember even for kids who have their tonsils out, mm-hmm. it's not good. I've, I've still got mine. Yeah. But I do remember Heidi's the only one of mine who has had her tonsils out. And they give you lots of ice cream and cool things, and mm-hmm. um, and we promised her that she'd have lots of ice cream, and this was this was a great attraction. Mm. But then after she had them, I remember she said she was very miserable, and she said to me, "I was much happier with them in, Daddy." Yeah. Oh, I felt well, so bad. Well, I was reading um, when they first brought this up a couple of years ago um, that this woman had had them out, and she'd had three children naturally, and she said that the tonsillectomy hurt worse. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't so, know I mean, why it does. That's my thing. I wonder why it is so harder for adults than children. Yeah, well, it's an awful thing to have to go through, though. But if it helps, then well, that's, that's but, what but, you need to do. Oh, but man, yeah. I mean, I, I'd feel bad about it. But anyway, if anyone's got, that, I, I know that there are these like masks and crazy things you're supposed to wear because I don't and, have sleep apnea. Because that's that's the primary cause of snoring. And I had a sleep study, and I do not have sleep apnea. Right. So that's um, the CPAC machine won't work. Yeah. And they have all these things you can put in your mouth. and Yeah, um, but it's not very comfortable, is no. it? But you wonder if there's like a soundproof pillow or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's a very unique set of circumstances we have. And it's something that people don't talk about, you know, because it's no. a sensitive subject. I certainly wouldn't voluntarily talk about it without you volunteering it. That I can tell you. Last week, I was talking about audio on Windows devices. And we've had a number of people get in touch about this, some of whom wanted to know about the Silenzio, that's S-I-L-E-N-Z-I-O utility that I talked about. And what this does, it when run, and you could make it run at startup if you wanted, just sort of sends silence essentially to your sound device, and it just keeps it active and running. And so it gets around the issue where some audio drivers now hibernate quite quickly so that when you're editing a document, you might find that you hit a key and it takes a while for the sound card to respond. Sometimes it makes a little click, and then you might miss the first little bit of what the speech engine was saying to you and it's really frustrating silenzio fixes that problem 
Now, I have sent the link to several people who emailed. And just to be fair to everybody who listens, because some people listen live to the Mosin Explosion. Hooray! And some people listen on a podcast where I can get the link into the show notes, I guess. I will give you a link to a blog post where I discuss this on the Mosin Consulting website. And there is a link, a direct link to the download of Silenzio there. So if you are having this problem and you would like to be able to get this utility and resolve it, it's simple. There's no dangerous driver hackery or anything like that involved. Just install this thing and your problem will be fixed. The link for this is mosin.org slash sounds frustrating, all one word. And I have a blog post about this issue there with a link to Silenzio, mosin.org slash sounds frustrating. You'll find it there. Vaughan Benison's been in touch over the week in sunny Tasmania. Good on you, Vaughan. He gave me a registry hack that you can do because he has the same laptop as me. I mean, not the exact same laptop. Otherwise, it will be difficult for us both to type on it at the same time, given that I'm in Wellington and he's in Hobart. But you know what I mean? He has the same model of laptop as me. And he was been driven mad, he said, mad by this issue. And uh, he found a registry hack that has worked for him. Um, and he gave me some instructions about fossicking around in the registry for the right key to change. I couldn't find the key, but I might have another look. But given that Silenzio does so well and you just install it and run it and forget it, I might not really need to. So there, there is a registry hack. Now, here is some advice from... Anil. And the one thing I would say before playing this, because I did wonder whether I should play it. I don't, I mean, I feel some degree of responsibility for possibly getting people into a situation that could really be quite serious. This does not work for everybody. It does work for a lot of people. In the case of the recommendation that he is making about um, changing drivers, it does not work in the case of the HP Spectre Folio. If you change the driver, as he is giving very clear instructions, um, you will you will lose your speech entirely. Uh, you will lose your sound entirely. I can tell you this because I've tried. So I would urge you to think twice about doing this. And if you are going to do it, do one of several things. Obviously, if you're a Braille user and you have a Braille display to hand, then make sure the Braille display is working so you can reverse what you did if it doesn't work for you. And I mean, it may, and it may be a glorious fix. But if you find yourself without speech, you know, you, you're in big soup if you don't have Braille. Um, you could also use Ira potentially with TeamViewer to help you reverse what you, what you broke if it doesn't work. Or you could have sighted assistance on standby who is remotely computer competent. So, uh, or you could just run Silenzio, you know, and not try this. And the second tip he gives about um, turning off enhancements is a super idea. They do add latency and they add weird effects and things. So anyway, with all those caveats, if you really want to tinker, listen to this. Hello, Jonathan. My name is Anil. Today, I am going to tell you about a common Windows 10 audio problem that is audio delays which is happening from quite some time now, almost two years. There is every time Microsoft says a new fix has come out, but it is temporary. Many people are facing such problems. So I going to tell you two 
kinds of fixes for this first one is a quick fix second one need some work around first one fix need to be done in this following way first you should go to device manager then expand that preview that says sound video and game controllers i hope you know how to open device manager okay then select realtek high definition audio manage driver uh, press shift f10 on it or applications key select properties then select browse my computer to update updated driver no first you have to go to driver page then click update driver then select browse my computer to locate updated driver then next select an option called let me pick from the list of drivers after that there is a checkbox that says show compatible drivers please uncheck it then select manufacturer as microsoft driver manufacturer if you press tab from there there is one list that has many drivers made by microsoft press h twice then you will hear high definition audio and the latest date something 2019 7th of august or 7th of may some date okay then click select that and click next it says the driver is not compatible do you want to really update it say yes then for few moments you will lose audio after that you will hear close button press space and it will ask you to restart press yes then you will be running generic microsoft audio driver and the problem is fixed for this windows 10 audio delay the second one is bit workaround really it is a just a hit or miss concept you basically go to real uh, speakers context menu by pressing shift f10 on system tray speakers icon then select uh, sounds then select uh, device properties under sound then select additional device properties then you will get to speaker properties then you to go, you have to go to enhancements page there you should select the option called disable all enhancements check it and apply it it might work or not but my first first option would definitely work for you okay uh, sorry for leaving a long message i hope you find it helpful and our viewers as well thank you there you go thanks anil and yes for many people using a different driver will help in the case of my particular laptop it does not, but I know it works pretty well in a number of scenarios. Here is email from Aaron Linson. He says, Jonathan, 
For somebody who has never been into or understands mechanical keyboards, can you explain why someone would want them? Also, how would I pick out what kind of key switch I'd want? I know there are various different types of switches, but not sure the sound or the hardness of them. Also, without a numpad, how would one memorize the number row? I've always had an issue with this and have had to turn on character echo on my Surface Pro 6 in order to orientate myself to the right numbers. I couldn't give you a cogent explanation, Aaron, of what the different switches are and what their advantages are. When I have been shopping, and I've got two mechanical keyboards now, one at home and one at the office, I've just gone in and played with them and, and found keyboards that I've found are satisfying to type on. Hopefully you will have heard my comments earlier when Peggy was asking a similar question about mechanical keyboards and that those comments were helpful. I think the best thing to do is to go into a store. I, some It depends on the store, doesn't it? But sometimes you can't go into a store and try these things. And... I am very firm about this, surprisingly enough. I, if I'm going into a store and spending a lot of money on a keyboard that I'm spending a lot of money on because of the way it feels to type on, I am not going to walk out of a keyboard in a nice shiny box unless I've had the chance to type on it first. So I've actually walked out of stores before when I've said, you know, you can't expect me to pay for an expensive item like this without trying to see what it feels like to type on. That's the fundamental reason why I'm spending more. And they have, oh, we have a policy that we can't get it out of the box. Well, fine, your policy just lost you a sale. Ridiculous. So go in and see what they like to type on and see what you think. In terms of orientating yourself to the number row, to me, that's just a case of being a touch typist. I mean, you know, for example, that the six is above, you know, whatever letter. And I, I just do it without thinking. So maybe it's just a case of retraining yourself to touch type with the number row in mind. Maybe others have some suggestions. I guess there's nothing at all wrong if, if it helps you to put lock dots on, say, the three, the six, and the nine. No harm in doing that. I mean, some people might frown upon it, but gosh, if it works for you and it makes you more productive, go ahead and put a little lock dot on the three, the six, and the nine, and that will help with your orientation. Another Braille display question for you, says Aaron. Why, why do you stick with the focus line of displays? Have you tried the Q Braille XL from Hims? Just curious, as I'm in the market for a new display and am wondering what are the benefits besides the focus working tightly with JAWS? Well, not the current generation, of course, but uh, as they say, I, I like the focus because I made it myself. I mean, I've had a, a, a significant uh, hand in the design of previous focus models. I do like the fact that the focus Braille displays work very well with iOS. Some other Braille displays seem to regularly fall over with new versions of iOS the pairing is really robust. Once it's paired, it just keeps on working. So the reliability factor is good. Focus Braille displays are well serviced. So if you, you know, there are a lot of moving parts in a Braille display. And if you need to get a, a, a professional clean or a repair, they're generally turned around pretty quickly in most 
parts of the world, including New Zealand, where support is very good. I know that there have been people burned in the past by seemingly attractive braille devices where the manufacturer of said device has not been in a particularly financially healthy state. And of course, I'm sitting here knowing these things because I sort of know these things about the industry and I'm thinking there is no way if I had to buy a new braille display that I would risk buying from XYZ company because um, yeah, I want to make sure it's serviced well for years to come. Now, the QBraille XL, Hims is not one such company to the best of my knowledge, the, the QBraille XL, I was very intrigued by this and I actually sought it out when I went to CSUN earlier in the year to have a look and have a play and have a braille on the QBraille XL. And this comes back to personal preference. So, you know, not everybody's going to agree with me on this, and I think it's good that we have that choice. With all that said, uh, for me, the showstopper, and I was actually ready. I, I had the credit card. I thought the concept was cool, especially since I use Braille a lot with Windows. And But the showstopper for me was where they put the space bar. Where they put the space bar on this device, I don't know whether all HIMS devices are like this, it's an ergonomic nightmare for me. I braille very fast. And what I was finding when I was brailing with this thing was that I had to sort of tuck my thumb under, creating a kind of a weird tension in my hand just to hit space because the space bar is not where it is in the focus, which is at the very bottom of the display. So when you're brailing with your hands on the braille keys, your thumb, to my way of thinking, naturally falls on the spacebar with a focus display. But with the with this particular hymns one anyway, now I can't comment on all their models, you've got to kind of crunch up your thumb and tuck it inwards to hit the spacebar. And I said to them, this is a showstopper. I was ready to walk away with one, but I can't imagine myself brailing on this uh, long term and I would be really concerned about what it would do to my hand. So obviously some people really like it and that's great, but it's certainly not for me. So I guess I just use the Focus because it works, no fuss, it's reliable. Uh, and um, I don't think I have ever once had to send a Focus device away for repair. So in that regard, I've been quite lucky. Here is email from Aaron Linson. He says, Jonathan, for somebody who has never been into or understands mechanical keyboards, can you explain why someone would want them? Also, how would I pick out what kind of key switch I'd want? I know there are various different types of switches, but not sure the sound or the hardness of them. Also, without a numpad, how would one memorize the number row? I've always had an issue with this and have had to turn on character echo on my Surface Pro 6 in order to orientate myself to the right numbers. I couldn't give you a cogent explanation, Aaron, of what the different switches are and what their advantages are. When I have been shopping, and I've got two mechanical keyboards now, one at home and one at the office, I've just gone in and played with them and, and found keyboards that I've found are satisfying to type on. 
hopefully you will have heard my comments earlier when Peggy was asking a similar question about mechanical keyboards and that those comments were helpful. I think the best thing to do is to go into a store. I, some It depends on the store, doesn't it? But sometimes you can't go into a store and try these things. And I am very firm about this, surprisingly enough. I, if I'm going into a store and spending a lot of money on a keyboard that I'm spending a lot of money on because of the way it feels to type on, I am not going to walk out of a keyboard in a nice shiny box unless I've had the chance to type on it first. So I've actually walked out of stores before when I've said, you know, you can't expect me to pay for an expensive item like this without trying to see what it feels like to type on. That's the fundamental reason why I'm spending more. And they have, oh, we have a policy that we can't get it out of the box. Well, fine, your policy just lost you a sale. Ridiculous. So go in and see what they like to type on and see what you think. In terms of orientating yourself to the number row, to me, that's just a case of being a touch typist. I mean, you know, for example, that the six is above, you know, whatever letter, and I, I just do it without thinking. So maybe it's just a case of retraining yourself to touch type with the number row in mind. Maybe others have some suggestions. I guess there's nothing at all wrong if, if it helps you to put lock dots on, say, the three, the six, and the nine. No harm in doing that. I mean, some people might frown upon it, but gosh, if it works for you and it makes you more productive, go ahead and put a little lock dot on the three, the six, and the nine, and that will help with your orientation. Another Braille display question for you, says Aaron. Why, why do you stick with the focus line of displays? Have you tried the Q Braille XL from Hims? Just curious, as I'm in the market for a new display and am wondering what are the benefits besides the focus working tightly with JAWS? Well, not the current generation, of course, but uh, as they say, I, I like the focus because I made it myself. I mean, I've had a, a, a significant uh, hand in the design of previous focus models. I do like the fact that the focus braille displays work very well with iOS. Some other braille displays seem to regularly fall over with new versions of iOS the pairing is really robust. Once it's paired, it just keeps on working. So the reliability factor is good. Focus Braille displays are well serviced. So if you, you know, there are a lot of moving parts in a Braille display. And if you need to get a, a, a professional clean or a repair, they're generally turned around pretty quickly in most parts of the world, including New Zealand, where support is very good. I know that there have been people burned in the past by seemingly attractive braille devices where the manufacturer of said device has not been in a particularly financially healthy state. And of course, I'm sitting here knowing these things because I sort of know these things about the industry and I'm thinking there is no way if I had to buy a new braille display that I would risk buying from XYZ company because um, yeah, I want to make sure it's serviced well for years to come. Now, the QBrail XL, Hims is not one such company to the best of my knowledge. The, the QBrail XL, I was very intrigued by this and I actually sought it out when I went to CSUN earlier in the year to have a look and have a play and have a braille on the QBrail XL. And this comes back to personal preference. So, you know, 
Not everybody's going to agree with me on this, and I think it's good that we have that choice. With all that said, uh, for me, the showstopper, and I was actually ready. I, I had the credit card. I thought the concept was cool, especially since I use Braille a lot with Windows. And But the showstopper for me was where they put the space bar. Where they put the space bar on this device, I don't know whether all HIMS devices are like this, it's an ergonomic nightmare for me. I braille very fast. And what I was finding when I was brailing with this thing was that I had to sort of tuck my thumb under, creating a kind of a weird tension in my hand just to hit space because the space bar is not where it is in the focus, which is at the very bottom of the display. So when you're brailing with your hands on the braille keys, your thumb, to my way of thinking, naturally falls on the spacebar with a focus display. But with the with this particular HIMS one anyway, now I can't comment on all their models, you've got to kind of crunch up your thumb and tuck it inwards to hit the spacebar. And I said to them, this is a showstopper. I was ready to walk away with one, but I can't imagine myself brailing on this uh, long term and I would be really concerned about what it would do to my hand. So obviously some people really like it and that's great, but it's certainly not for me. So I guess I just use the Focus because it works, no fuss, it's reliable. Uh, and um, I don't think I have ever once had to send a Focus device away for repair. So in that regard, I've been quite lucky. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed episode 10 of Mosin at Large. If you would like to be in touch with us, Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com with an audio attachment or just a written email, or call us in the United States, 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large,